Good morning. Uh, can you hear me? How are you? How are you? Well, I'm good. Thank you. It's nice to sit that side. It's just like anointing there. You know? And, and I, I heard a lot of good singers at the back there, Jason. Where's Jason? Oh, yeah, yeah. You sing your words. You're normally there. That's good. So, um, again, a very good morning. I, I just want to ask um, all the youth to stand this morning. Can we do that quickly? No, you can stand, Samantha. Uh, Samantha you can stand. <laughs> I consider you youth. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. So, so, while you guys, and there's probably some more. Okay, here we go. Uh, while you guys are standing, I'm, I'm going to just ask the parents to stretch your hands out to our youth. Um, we celebrate Youth Day, well, just on Friday, but, you know, every day is Youth Day. <laughs> so we just want to pray for you guys, we want to bless you. Father, we thank you, Lord, a generation that goes after your things, Lord. And we declare that over them, Father. A generation that is not lost, a generation that knows their Lord and their Father. We pray, Father, that you'd bless them, that you'd give them words to speak in places where they need to speak. And Father, we pray that, Lord, whatever they face in this life, that they may always know, Father, that you're with him. And so we just pray and declare over you, blessing of the Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And then I'm going to ask all the fathers to stand. Can we do that quickly? Yeah. The manna. I'm also a father, Marlon. You come and pray for us. <laughs> Elders, please sort your pastor. <laughs> we say thank you, Lord, that there are fathers that love unconditionally, Father God. That there are fathers that step up and that there are fathers that will stand in the gap, Lord, Father God. So we just say thank you that they are echoes of who you are, Lord Father God. That they echo your nature in all that they do. We pray that you would give them wisdom and strength in every area of life, Lord Father God. We pray that you would overflow them with such an anointing and authority, Lord Father God, that households would just come before you, Lord Father God. That as head of households, that their strength, Lord Father God, would carry things through, Lord Father God. We know that they face troubles. We know that they go through things. So we pray and we say thank you for the community. Thank you that you empower them. And thank you that you look after them, Lord Father God, with your very own heart, Lord Father God. And we just pray for more and more over them, Lord Father God. Favor over them, Lord Father. Whatever they do um, in their family settings, Lord Father God, we just pray for more and more of you. And thank you that we could look up to men not even um, own blood, but thank you that there are men in church. Thank you that there are men out there that we could call fathers, Lord Father God. So we just say more of you, Lord Father God. Show us more of you. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Marlon. So happy Father's Day, fathers. Um, I want to ask Dylan and Donna. Is, is, is your mom here? Uh, there you are. You guys want to come up quickly? We, we're just going to do something special this morning because we're family. And yeah, this man, I look up to him. <laughs> you will. <laughs> so I'm going to stand here, not because I feel insecure. <laughs> um, so we normally, you know, whenever the Lord um, sends people to other parts of the world, we, we as a family, we come alongside, yeah. we pray, we just pray blessing and we speak life over whoever's going. And so this morning, Dylan is a couple of weeks from now, eh? you're heading off to Italy. In 11 days. In 11 days. And Donna's counting. So, so I want us to pray. Um, we're going to pray for you, Dylan, but we're also going to pray for your mom. And I know, and I'm just imagining, you know, I have to let go one day as well. And so we know that's not easy, but um, the Lord is with you. you. You you, have got a future 
that I believe God has laid out for you. Remember that. And wherever you go, he's with you. It doesn't matter where you end up in this, in this life, in this world. You know, whatever place you go to, God is with you. I, I was thinking about this and I thought, man, the Lord has laid such foundations in this place. And you've, I know you're a son of this house. And the foundation's been laid. And Donna, you don't have to worry because you've done well. So we, we're going to just come alongside you guys. We're going to pray. And um, I know, Angus, you got a word? Just give it a mic. I just have a sense you got a word. <laughs> so. I do, actually. Um, and God has got a sense of humor, Dylan. So the, the, word, the, the picture he showed me was a, a measuring tape. Right? But this measuring tape was about three meters old. Right now, you and I had a conversation the other day, and you, you, you're a little bit shorter than that. But, but the word that I got there, that he's able to do immeasurably and infinitely more than you've ever imagined. That, the, that that three meter measuring tape is only finite because by the human mind, but he's, he's got, his measuring tape is so much longer. The, the, the runway before you right, is so much longer than that was goes behind. And the significance of a runway is that's the last thing that a plane is on before it launches. So you, you, you're still on the runway, but acceleration is about to come. Right? The, the wind is going to go, and I, I'm just, I don't know why I've got this aviation picture, but you, the wind is about to go under the, the, the wings, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but the lift is about to happen. But don't despise the taxi. Before a plane can take off, at first there's the taxi. So, Father God, whatever it is you have planned, Father God, not just over Dylan's life, but over this family, Father God, I pray that that will come to pass, Lord. I pray that every boulder that that, that seemingly stands in the way will be removed in the name of Jesus, Father God. That the runway will not be bumpy, Father God, but it will be smooth, Father God. That everything will happen according to your plan, and that every check that needs to take place is being taken is taking place, Father God. And that the lift will happen at the right time, Father God. And that the landing will happen at the right time, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Father God. Your 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 plans are good because you are a good God. Father God, your plans are more than we can understand, Father God. So for now, Father God, I pray that you will continue to give both Donna and Dylan just enough light for the next step, Father God. That that they're going to have the strength, Father God, and the faith to take one step forward and know that you are there. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. And we just pray, Father, that you protect this young man. God, his body. Every part of your body. um, The Lord has got you, Dylan. And I know this is important for you, because you, what you're called to do, your body plays a huge role. <laughs> and so we pray protection over you. Every ligament, Father, every muscle, Lord, every bone structure, you've designed, Lord God, for Dylan to do what he's called to do. And so we thank you for your protection. In Jesus' name, amen. Dylan, Dylan as God leads you, lead God's way. So, this is a special day, I do believe. Um, and I've got, I've got a word this morning uh, that I'm going to share, and I'm not going to take too much time because I know it's Father's Day. And I do also believe that the Lord wants to minister to people, so we're not going to keep you too long this morning. But this word is um, called Clash of the Kingdoms. Has anybody seen Clash of the Titans? Oh, okay. I haven't. <laughs> there was no profound revelation in there at all. But, I, you know, I've been, um, for those of you that have been doing our Bible school, and tonight to be back here, yes, on Father's Day, we are back here at five. But, um, and I know a lot of you have been that have done the Bible school or doing it have been thinking and have been processing what does this kingdom of God look like and how are we to live in the kingdom of God on this earth Um, we are citizens of two realms 
I don't know if you know that. You have, you have citizenship here in South Africa, I hope, legally. Okay. Look, don't go there. <laughs> but you also have citizenship in heaven. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. It's not, I love what, what Tammy said earlier, it's not something we're waiting on. It's something you already have. And how, how we are to walk in this life as a citizen of heaven, a citizen of the kingdom of God, that's, that's the journey. And I tell you, it's a journey of discovery, and I'm discovering it every single day. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't want to, um, I don't want to wait until the day Jesus comes and then realize, oh man, I missed out on living this life that God has called us to here in the present time. Um, and I think, I think this morning's message is for all of us. Because if you understand the kingdom of God, then it doesn't matter where you land up in the world, Dylan. It doesn't matter, you know, um, which part of, of the industry you work in, you know, whatever your work is, whatever your expertise is, when you understand the kingdom of God, you can be a citizen of his kingdom in all of life, everywhere, no matter where God places you. And there's a couple of things this morning that I also want, I want the Holy Spirit to, to break. Because he's really been speaking to Shavani about what is church? You see, church is not the kingdom. This place, what we do on a Sunday, this is not the kingdom. We reflect this kingdom, and I think we have, a, we have a beautiful moment of corporate worship, you know, and we enjoy that. And we see glimpses of the kingdom, but the kingdom of God is not a church. And how we, how can I say do church? How we do church, man, the Lord is hammering me. And I, I really pray this morning that something shifts. Um, I sat at the back. Do you know why I sat at the back? Why do pastors sit in front? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> why do pastors have to act a certain way? I'm, I'm challenging your understanding or you, maybe some of your thinking this morning because I'm challenging my own. Why is it that in the church today, that's not, that's not, a, a, that's not me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, okay, it's not me, right? <laughs> okay, I'm just making sure. In the church today, why is it that we build around a temple as though God is confined in a place. And yet we say, no, we're not like the Old Testament. We don't believe in synagogues. We don't do whatever, you know. But we build a model that I still see as a temple where it's one stage pulpit, one person standing, monologue talking, Am I challenging you this morning? <laughs> because the Lord has been speaking very clearly. I, be, I do believe there's a shift that's happening in the world. And I think we've seen the shift coming even before COVID. I look at how many churches, well-established, we, we would say churches, that have fallen, the top guy has fallen. Some people... Um, just passed on. I mean, they, they literally came to an end of a generation, and they died. Okay, it was, kind of like, it was almost like what the Bible says, Moses, my servant, is dead. You know, I think of men like Rabbi Zachariah. I think of others um, that over the last decade have just come to the end of their mandate. And there's like a shift in the watchman. You know, those that were sitting on the walls watching over the church are no longer there. Some have even fallen morally. They've built something so huge that they weren't able to sustain it. I come from there. 
And I, and I pray this morning that you hear the heart of God because it's the heart of the Father that I want to speak from. Not Tim Feeder, although the Lord is challenging me. And I believe there's a shift that's happening in the world and COVID was actually highlighting the shift. Because all of a sudden we were locked up, eh? We, we could not engage on a Sunday. This temple that we all came to and enjoyed for two hours were no longer there. And then, you know, people like me scrambled to quickly get a camera. Get a camera, right? Let's put a phone up in front of me. Hey, church. You know, and for two years, the church could not be that which they built. And some of us struggled. I know I struggled. You had to learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You had to literally, right? Otherwise, you could watch YouTube all day and you could find every other teaching. In the, and some, some of it was confusing. I mean, I remember getting SMSs, WhatsApp, sorry, with videos from YouTube and people asking, what is this guy? What does he mean by this? What is he talking? It was like the world all of a sudden went into this vacuum and the church went into a vacuum and we didn't have the things that made us so comfortable for two and a half years, I think. And we came out of it. And if you and I were not changed in that time, then I think there's something wrong. Because we came out of it and we, we came back into this. And I think the question everyone is asking, are we just going back into the norm of what it was like before? But there's been a shift. And we can feel it. There's been a shift. God has been speaking. And some of us, have maybe you've heard the Lord speak very clearly and you've come back frustrated Just being honest, eh? Came back and like, man, I know this is not what it's supposed to be. Others, maybe you came back saying, thank the Lord, we've come back to this. But what if the Lord was challenging us? What if God was actually wanting us to shift? To understand that there is a kingdom of God that is beyond the walls of a church. To understand that there's a kingdom of God that is to be advanced into all of life because there's another kingdom at work. And that kingdom is called the kingdom of darkness. And that kingdom of darkness is, is evidently not embarrassed to go up there and even speak against the kingdom of God and this king. And so I've I been sitting, praying and mulling over this, and the Lord showed me something that I want to share with you, and, and I do want to submit to you. You see, even though the kingdom of God will only fully, fully be realized when Jesus returns, the truth is that through Jesus we can experience and release his kingdom in all of life. You experience that, in fact, when you pray and then the prayers are answered. Do you know what that is? That's the kingdom of God breaking through into your life. We experience that when we lay hands on the sick and they get healed. What is that? That's the kingdom of God breaking through into this, into this realm. We experience that when there are signs and there are wonders and there are miracles, when people are delivered and set free, the kingdom of God breaks through into this realm. It annihilates the kingdom of darkness in that moment. And then we all go, yes! And we go and we testify, you know? But I want to take it beyond that. You experience the kingdom of God when you're sitting in a boardroom meeting and the boss tells you that there's no way out. We're going to have to fire everyone. <laughs> and then you sit there and you say, I refuse to believe that report because God is greater than this economy. And then they look at you and they say, are you mad? You know, when you're sitting in a room 
And people are telling you, and this is a testimony I'll give quickly, not from me and my father-in-law, when people are telling you, don't sell nuts and bolts, because it's not going to sell in Congo. And the Spirit of God says to my father-in-law, sell nuts and bolts. And so he says to the whole board, I'm going to keep selling nuts and bolts. And they said to him, "Um, if you do that and it doesn't work, then they will penalize him, you know. You'd have to pay the money back, whatever. And he goes and he, and he follows what the Lord says to the point that he, it becomes their biggest sale for that year. And then they fly him to Durban, the bosses, right, the CEOs who are not Christian, and they ask him, what was your secret? <laughs> That's when the kingdom of God breaks through. You see it day by day when you walk and, um, and you spend money you don't have. Have you ever done that? <laughs> and I'm not talking about credit. I'm talking about money you did not have when you woke up in the morning. By the evening, you filled your tank. You've bought your, your food. Hey? We see the kingdom breakthrough in every, every part of our lives, but yet you can so easily miss it. Because I think we, we've got a wrong understanding of his kingdom. And I think we've substituted the kingdom of God for church. So I want to I take you on a quick journey. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 11. And this is the Tower of Babel. Now the word Babel means gates to the gods. And Babel eventually became um, Babylon, which we all, you might have heard of Babylon, not the the series, Babylon, (laughs) but Babylon in the Bible um, is mentioned quite a few times. And so here in Genesis 11, you know, God resets the earth through Noah. I don't know if you know that. Okay, Noah had an ark. And... um, why are you laughing? He did. He had an ark. And he built this ark, yes, from scratch. And then, you're right, Stephanie. And then he had all these animals come. And they literally just came, like, you know, and they entered the ark. This is real. In fact, you can check this out. I don't know if you ever tried. Go and read historical documents. And you'll find in every, in every culture in this world, there is a record, a historical record of some sort of flood, whether they believe in God or not. And so um, that's this interesting Discovery Channel. There we go. But Noah built an ark. He had, all, he had all these animals come. They filled the ark, and then him and his family, okay? And they were the only ones left. And then what did God say after that? Go forth and multiply. So we come to Genesis 11, and this is, the reset has already happened. And it says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And as people moved, each, uh, moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar. Shinar is the place where Babylon was established. And they settled there. Verse 3. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Slim answer. Before that, they were making clay bricks. And um, so they used bricks instead of stone, and they tar and st- uh, for more tar, and this four. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered all over the face of the whole world or face of the whole earth. Verse 5, this is, listen to this. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower and the people were, that, that, and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, if, if as one people speak in the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Verse 8, so the Lord scattered them all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. 
That is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So we see a people that gathered after the reset. And they all had the same language. They had one language. And they had one purpose. And that was to build a tower so huge that it would make a name for themselves. They wanted to build a tower because they wanted to get to the heavens. Now at that time, they believed that the gods were in the heavens. And if they could reach the heavens, they could live with the gods. In fact, historians have discovered the Tower of Babel was a very common structure. We think it's round, you know, like, like I've never seen those books, this, um, Children's books, and they show you the ark, and they show you the tower, and we think it's round. But it, historically, it was known to be like a pyramid. It's conspiracy theory. <laughs> it was known to be like a pyramid. You know why? It was what they called a ziggurat. A ziggurat was a structure layered upon layered. And it would be built all the way up. And on the top was a shrine where they would worship whatever God. In fact, Abram came from the place of Ur. Remember Ur? Right? God said, leave Ur and go to this promised land. <laughs> Do you know that, that there was, and today you can still see it, in the land of Ur, there, was, there is a ziggurat, a pyramid structure, a structure built with a temple right on top. Because in the land of Ur, they would worship the goddess of the moon. And so they would climb, right? This stru- structure was like a pyramid, but it, it had stairs, cases going all the way up. They would climb all the way up to get to the top, to the highest point closest to their god. And then they would worship. From there. Eventually, this place where the Tower of Babel was, like I said, became Babylon. And it's in Babylon where kings like Nebuchadnezzar, who persecuted followers of God, Yahweh, in fact, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those guys? I think the youth would know that now, right? You guys did it on Friday night. I heard. My daughter told me. Because they were like, wow, dad, this king. <laughs> and he threw them into the fire. And the Bible says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, nothing happened to them. A kingdom came up against another kingdom in the fire. And so Babylon represents a kingdom that is self-gratification. And I want you to see that this morning. Because we live in a world where it's all about self. The kingdom of Babylon represented a kingdom that was not God-fearing. In fact, they believed they could be like God. Let us build a tower so high that we could just... Be among the gods and be like the gods. The kingdom of Babylon represented a kingdom that worshipped other gods, idols, idolatry. Things are elevated, made more important than the king of kings. The kingdom of Babylon represented a kingdom that was power-hungry. They wanted to rule the whole world. In fact, Babylon came down. You know how they fell? Um, the Persians. Another kingdom. Eventually annihilated the Babylonians. The kingdom of Babylon represented, represented a kingdom that was money-hungry. 
It was all about good look. The biggest city. The highest towers. Does it sound familiar? <laughs> and they saw themselves equal to God. And so the question that I sat with this week and the question I asked you this, this morning is, but what is the kingdom of God like? If that is the kingdom of darkness, then what is the kingdom of God like? And I, I came, and I'm going to just give you a few points, but I, I hope that this may hit your heart this morning because you are the carriers of his kingdom. We are his carriers. We release the kingdom of God, the light of his kingdom in the darkest of places. Genesis 1 verse 28, God speaks to Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. And I think it's important because I want to say that because the kingdom of God was represented in the Garden of Eden. If you want to know the perfect will of God for your life, for the, for the lives of people around us, for this world, look at the Garden of Eden. And if God ever wanted to design anything different, he would have done it in the Garden of Eden. But he created man and he created woman. And he gave each one of them an image of himself in them. My wife has an image of the father that I don't have. And that's why we are compatible. I've got an image of the father that my wife doesn't have and that's why we are compatible. Man was made for woman. And woman was made for man. And if you don't believe me, then the Bible is not right and not true. Genesis 1 verse 28, God looks as man and woman. And he says this, he blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. God never ever designed man to come and just gather in one place. And he, in fact, he said to them, fill the earth. Why? So that they can take his kingdom Wherever they go, that the whole earth, as the Bible says, is covered by the glory of God. You are the glory of God. And when you speak and when you live your life, whether it's sitting in a pub, right? Or whether you're sitting at the park, or whether you are sitting in a boardroom, or whether whatever you do, when you speak and you declare His glory, you take the kingdom of God into all of life. That was the original design of the Father. That is what God wanted for his kingdom. And so he says, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. God's original design was not for man to worship the fish in the sea. <laughs> it's crazy, right? You think about it, like how everything was twisted and turned upside down. The birds in the sky, the living creatures were not there to be idolized it was therefore man under the authority of God to rule and advance his kingdom and that was his perfect design and so he says go be fruitful what does fruitfulness look like it go be productive listen purpose is part of fruitfulness come on Paolo if you don't know your purpose how can you be productive? And I find it so sad that many of us would live a life of purposelessness. Have you ever seen something like that? Hey, purposeless um, brings hopelessness. You've got to have purpose. Father, what is, my, what is your will for my life? What is your will for me in this world right now? You're still breathing. Do you know that? <laughs> Come on, Pete. You're still here, hey? And since you're still here, you have to have a purpose. You don't just live to wake up in the morning, yeah, go to bed at night. God always intended for man to be fruitful, productive, purposeful. Second thing he says is increase in number. In other words, it speaks of abundance. Now you could say, Mark, by your goodness. Okay, that could be interpreted as one, <laughs> Have children. 
It's not good, not bad to have children. Why does the world say it's bad to have children? Because it's coming up the kingdom. Have children. Multiply. Increase speaks about um, abundance. It speaks about blessing and prosperity. God's design for you, his perfect will for you, is to be fruitful and increase. Live in abundance. Abundance of what? Now, now, a lot of preachers took this and a lot of churches took this and they started the prosperity gospel around this. Let me tell you, it's not just about money. Abundance speaks about a life that is fulfilled. A life that is a stream. The Bible says streams of living waters will come out of your belly. It's a life of, it's a stream, not a dam. You are to be a stream wherever you go. And when you, when you give of yourself, people must feed. And they're like, man, when I leave this guy or this lady's presence, I feel so energized. Why? Because you are the stream, the, the, the stream, a river of life that flows through you, goes into people. Am I preaching? Thank you. Thank you, Marlon. <laughs> Man, but I'm passionate about this. And hear my heart. Because this is who we are. You are to live abundant life. I, how can I be living a stream when I'm the most morbid person on earth? Come on, man. Honestly. When people see me and all they see is, how, how, what kind of stream is coming forth? We're supposed to be in the joy of the Lord. We're supposed to be living a life where everything, whether we face trials or tribulations, whatever we face, that streams of living water is coming through me. And it's not a message of I'm too blessed to be stressed. You know, it's not like I'm turning around and saying, no, life is, everything is cool, you know, yet I know things are not cool. Right? No, it's joy. It's joy that's in you, that Jesus gives you. The third thing he says to them is take dominion. In other words, you are called to rule. Do you believe that? <laughs> you are called to rule. Man, you know someone once said to me, when you walk into a place, and I was so young and, and, and naive, but he said to me, when you walk into a place, walk like you own it. So I, I, I tried it, right? <laughs> Eddie <laughs> was part of this. I don't know if he remembers. Uh, and uh, Stetis, well, uh, two friends of mine. We, we were at CTICC. We were hungry. We were so hungry. And I remember this, you know, like, walk as though you own it. So I said to them, guys, there's a, a function. <laughs> there's a function. There was some year in function, something. I can't remember what. And, I, and so I said to them, just walk in, like, like we know, man. Like we, we belong here. Did we repent? We still got to ask the Lord to forgive us. We walked. We literally walked in, went to the tables. We started eating, drinking. And we're talking like <laughs> until somebody came up and says, who are you guys? <laughs> I don't even know what we said. Uh, we must have lied or something. So I remember we just like, okay, slowly walked out, walked out. You know? <laughs> Okay, not that kind of dominion, right? <laughs> but listen, what if I told you, and this, Dylan, this is for you, what if I told you that the whole earth was called for you to take dominion? Now, if you were to be uprooted and placed in another country, can you walk in dominion? That's what I'm talking about. Can you, you can still walk as a son of God, a child of God, with authority from heaven, when you lay hands on the sick, they will still get healed just because you're in another country. So taking dominion is taking the kingdom wherever you go. And so we are called to live that life. Mark 16 verse 15 says, he said to them, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now that, Word creation doesn't just mean man. You and I, we're supposed to be preaching to the birds, 
I know some of you do that. <laughs> no, no, what, is this? What, am I mean? what am I saying? What am I saying? All of creation, Romans 8, is moaning and groaning, waiting for what? For the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. If you, if you take dominion, and I did this, well, we did this on our property years ago. And we prayed over the land when we bought this house. And there was, there was a badly run-down pool <laughs> that had no, no um, paving. It was a sand everywhere. There was this broken um, uh, double garage. We prayed, there was no grass in the front. And we prayed over the land. Why? Because we, we have dominion over creation. I, I, I want you to see this. Because all that the kingdom of darkness can do is distort everything. Right now, they are scrambling for what? Trying to save the planet. All of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. When you step up and you walk in your rightful position as a son and a daughter of God, you can speak to your trees Lemon tree, you will make good lemons. And then you nurture that thing, like my wife does. She's like a doctor, you know, nurture the tree, got some advice. Bam, big lemons. Farming God's way. Have you heard of that? You know all they did? They just applied kingdom principles. And I, I'm a father, my father-in-law is doing it in Congo, where they said nothing will grow besides, you know, they have those big avos and, <laughs> and everything else is like, no, it's not going to take you. Do you know what? He, he, and he, oh, I must get him to send the pics one day. They were walking out, and they still today, they've built a whole industry on it. They've employed people. They're feeding people. I know, Tom, you guys are into that as well. They, they've literally grown cabbages this big. All they've done, and, and he'll tell you this, is that they've applied biblical Bible principles to farming, and then they speak over the land. All of creation is waiting for you. And, and I know this is, you know, for, for some of us, or maybe you're wondering, man, this guy's lost it. Because I tell you what, the kingdom of darkness has distorted things. Do you know why? Because the kingdom of darkness wants you not to know who you are. Because the kingdom of darkness, which is Satan's kingdom, is so scared of who you really are. And so they'll tell, they, they, they will say things like, no, um, you don't have authority. The church that... When I say the church, and I mean not the building, right? You and I, we don't have authority. In fact, they are loony. They're losing it. They create separation, division, rather than connection. Now, let me tell you, that's a lie from the enemy. Because really, and, you and I, the ministry of the kingdom is Reconciliation. It's reconciliation, firstly unto God, and then it's reconciliation one to another. And so when we speak the gospel, we speak identity. A religion will look at behavior and say, hey, don't do that, don't do that. And then God will love you. Kingdom of God looks at identity and says, don't do that because that's not who you are. It calls out who we are first, and then we live that out through behavior. And so I, I, I wrote this down. Um, the kingdom of God always brings unity and connection, never separation. Ephesians 2 verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The kingdom of God will always reunite or unite or reconcile man to God and man to man. 
That's what Jesus did on the cross. And so all of this that happened in the Tower of Babel, I'm going to close with this, was reversed in the book of Acts. And this, this should shift our whole thinking of who we are and what church is. Listen to Acts 2, verse 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Here's the difference between the togetherness of um, the Tower of Babel. It was under a common vision to make their name great. The togetherness of the disciples here was that Jesus said, go and wait because the Holy Spirit is coming. And so they were together in the upper room and they were waiting on the Holy Spirit. The opposite of the kingdom of darkness is waiting. The kingdom of darkness wants you to go and take. And then God says, no, I want you to come and wait. And then it says, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The kingdom of darkness will highlight one and place him on top. The kingdom of God will highlight all because he places you with Jesus on top. And then it goes on and it says, now they were staying in Jerusalem, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. The kingdom of darkness, where they were, remember, together trying to achieve their big thing as one, God gave them, um, dispersed them, and God changed all their languages. Here the Holy Spirit comes and he reverses that. Why? Because he brings unity in Christ. And so even though they were speaking in language in tongues, those that were listening could understand it in their own language. And God reverses the very thing that he had to bring uh, in Genesis 11. And so utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Now listen to this. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And then they start to explain who is listening. The Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, (laughs) Pamphylia, Egypt. And the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to, to, to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And so, so God reverses. Why? Because his original design was for you and I to walk together, all race, all cultures as sons and daughters of God, under the lordship of Jesus, under the authority of the Father, to bring his kingdom all, on all the earth. I was sitting and um, we were talking to someone <laughs> and we were chatting about Muslims, you know, and I said, but Jesus loves them. There was a conversation that went something like this. Isn't it sad that the Muslims took over uh, most of what, you know, the, the Middle East? I said, no, but Jesus loves them. He says, no, but they don't follow Jesus. So, no, but Jesus loves them. <laughs> Jesus loves them. And, and it was like, I just realized, like, think about this. The world will put things out there. And they will paint and paint all different cultures and nations and you know, God loves Putin. He loves him. Jesus died for Putin. Jesus died for Russia. Jesus didn't only die for Ukraine. (laughs) 
He died for the world. But the world will come, and the kingdom of darkness is like this. And they, it uses nice words, man. It sounds so right. But you just got to love them. Accept them. And Jesus is like, whoa, I do love them. But I love you enough to change you and not leave you in your state. And so we, Father wants to untwist the lies. And I say this, I know I asked Marlon to tell the youth, you know why? It's the youth. You guys got to hear this, man. There are many lies in this world right now. And the Lord wants to untangle these lies because this generation is going to need it. I I pray every day for my children and and my wife and I, and we look at them and we think, and and they don't understand. I said, you know, it's hard for you guys. And they're like, ah, dad, you're just saying. I said, no, honestly, I grew up a lot easier (laughs) than what you guys. Pornography. I'm going to call the stuff. Do you know that when I was growing up, I was at a boys' school. Do you know when I saw porn? I was sitting in the back of the bus on our way to, um, to, to do our athletics because we used to combine with the girls, you know? Uh, Immaculata, yeah. And so I'm, uh, I'm sitting in the bus, and this book starts to get passed on. And it comes all the way to where I'm sitting, and that's, my, that's how I got exposed to porn. Do you know that those books were so quickly confiscated, we were all sitting in the principal's office. Even though we didn't, I didn't do anything, the book just came to me. We all said, yes, sir, you will not do it. Yes, sir, go to, go to confession. <laughs> Father, I have sinned. <laughs> Today, it's not even a book. Today, it's a simple device that every child can easily, even my eight-year-old can easily access today. It's a different world. And that is why the kingdom of God, who is, that is inside of you and me, needs to come out. We need to live this out. So that he breaks through into every dark moment. I used to go on a, on a scripture union camp. And I just remember this. Yeah. We, there was a skit. Andy van der Bell was, was one of our leaders and um, him and Daryl Henning used to have the skit. So I'm a young man, you know, just looking at women, starting to think, hey, I'm going to date girls, and, you know. And, and then they had the skit, and we, we basically the one would sit, and it was funny, but it was quite, quite a serious message. And, the, and, the, and then you say, you know, um, the boundaries. Yeah. And he says, you know, and then he put his hand on, on the guy. So it's two guys, but he put his hand on the leg, you know. And, he, and then, and then the, the guy's like acting like girls. He's like, ah, you know. It's like, you know. And then he speaks on about boundaries. And, and then he's, he moves his hand up. And he's, you know, the more, the less your boundaries are, the more you, you know, you start doing things. <laughs> and and I, mean, I remember sitting and looking at this and thinking, sure, I can't do that. I, I, sh- I shouldn't do that. There were boundaries that we had. That we knew was God boundaries to what protect us, right? The first time I kissed a girl, I was so scared. Because <laughs> it was a tongue thing, you know? Woo! Yeah, because yeah. before that, yes, you did the church. I am I talking about it in church? I tell you. Because before that, it was like, no, no, you could just, okay, that's all, you know, that's all okay, you know? We need to talk about this, right? <laughs> Church, honestly, and this is why I want to break this thing, and I want to sh- share this with you in five minutes. The church, we've got to wake up. If we don't bring these things, the world is bringing it. And they bring it very hard and quickly in a distorted way. And part of my challenge this morning let me say my second point. I didn't get there because I need to close it with this. The kingdom of God is Emmanuel. God with us. God amongst us. Not among me. What's it? Among, among us? Among us, yeah. 
Um, kids will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> God among us, God with us. Not God on a hill, God on a, um, on a, on a pyramid somewhere, you know. God with you. Not God in a building on a Sunday morning. God with you, Emmanuel. That was Jesus. That was the good news. That is the good news. God is with you. He's no longer confined. And yet, I find the church, the institution, to build this. And I'm saying it, and I take a salary from the church, so I can't say it. Yet I find the church to build something that doesn't represent the kingdom. And I'm not saying, the Bible says, don't neglect the gathering of the saints. I'm not saying together is wrong. I'm saying, what are we building? If the man of God is only the one on the pulpit, I think we've failed. Because you are all men and women of God. If the one that is preaching is the only one that can lay hands on the sick, then I think we've failed. And can I take it even further? If the worship team is the only ones that can usher us into the presence of God. <laughs> Have you thought about that? We used to teach that. I used to teach that. Oh, the call of the worship team. Listen, the veil is torn. You have direct access to the Father like anyone standing on the stage with a guitar. What if we one day just decided, no worship team, whoever has a song in their heart decides to sing, and we all join. Ow! <laughs> but that's so uncomfortable. How awkward. Why awkward? Because we built... A culture. And honestly, it's falling apart. The man can no longer live what is expected of him. And the Lord said to me, Tim, don't put yourself on a pedestal. And don't let others put you on a pedestal. I said, Lord, then this thing must fall. What does that look like? You know what I think? That God is putting the church on a journey where the daughters and sons of God are beginning to rise up and to take kingdom into all of life. That eventually, I won't be surprised. Church will look so different. It won't be about the man yeah, or a man or one person who's OCD enough to move a carpet. <laughs> it would be about us going into all of life. And then when we gather, we gather to share those stories. To say, come on, you know what? I went through that. And you know what Jesus did? Man, I tell you, this is what he did. And then we, together, the church, the body of Christ, take that into, into all like, no matter where you go, it's there. The kingdom comes. So I sat, I sat um, having coffee with a few friends this week, and, man, I just saw the kingdom come. And I thought, God, you are so not tied up in any place. You can come in a coffee shop. You can come in a pub. You can come anywhere on a soccer field watching my little boy play soccer. The kingdom of God can come. What is the kingdom of God for you? And are you living it out? I love you. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but I am challenged. What are we building? And so I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. And Holy Spirit, come. Lord, our hearts are before you. 
doesn't matter how old you are today. I can tell you the Holy Spirit is not a respecter of man, of age. He's with you. He's in you. Those that are in Christ Jesus are called to be the sons and daughters of God. And so, if you were to ask yourself a question right now, am I living out the kingdom of God in my life? And the Lord said to me, look at every room in your heart, Tim. Is my kingdom alive in every part of your life? And I quickly realized, not everything, God. Because there's still quite a bit of me that wants to solve every little problem and do everything in my own strength. It's not submitted to the rule of God. And if you answer that question this morning and you know, Lord, there are things in my heart that I have not fully submitted, surrendered, then why don't you just do that this morning? Because it is as simple as that, of just saying, Lord, I surrender that. Whatever that may be. Thank you, Father. I let you into the rooms of my heart. Jesus is walking in your rooms right now and just looking around. How would you feel? Can you just say, Lord, I surrender it. I give it to you. While we're worshiping, I sense that some of you are really trusting the Lord for breakthrough. Finances is a big one. Can you surrender that to the Lord? You say, let your kingdom come, Father, in that. And then I also sensed, um, just had this unction in me that relationships, like God is really wanting to be in relationships this morning. And we got to have to just say, come Holy Spirit, come. Come into that. Whatever the relationship looks like, even if it's a mess, Jesus is good for cleaning up things. <laughs> and so I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you may just come. Move within every room of our hearts, our lives, so that we can truly reflect your kingdom in all of life. Break every anxiety, Lord, and stress that we carry because we're trying to walk this out on our own. Let the kingdom of God come in you. That was Jesus' message. So that it can flow through you. Thank you, Lord. I just say, ah, the Lord is so good. And so, Father, we also pray, Lord, let your church be your church. Father, let us reflect your kingdom. Lord, I pray for those that have been hurt in churches. That God, your grace is sufficient, Father, to bring healing. And we speak healing. Those that have been disillusioned by preachers, pastors, leaders. Father, I pray that your grace will come and bring healing, Lord. I pray, Father, that even this leadership of this church, that we may walk in true humility before you, to build with what you want us to build. In fact, the word I got this week was, Tim, you to steward, I build. Let your will be done, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. And I thank you.
I know it's a heavy message, but it's really dear to my heart. Um, but I want to encourage you this week. Release the kingdom of God. Look for those moments and allow the Lord just to come and fill you in all that you do. I, can I make a request? There are people that are struggling to find jobs. I, I always am amazed that as the church, that um, we don't do more to help people when it comes to work. Um, and, and I've got a lot of Muslim friends, and I've worked for Muslim companies, and I find it fascinating how quickly they can just uh, quickly come alongside. You know, you could easily find, if it, even if it's not your business, but you know, you may, you may know of a business. If you know of people that are looking to employ people, will, will you just... You can message me or give, send a message to the office and just let us know so that we can send it out to our people that are struggling to find work. Um, and I, I appeal for you because I, I know that, that it, sometimes it just takes one person to say, oh, but I know somebody that's looking for, you know. So please would you do that. Um, we are praying for those that are looking for work. We believe that the Lord will break through, but also believe that's why we're here. So send that through, and we'll gladly connect it to the right people. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Bible school students, we'll see you tonight. Otherwise, enjoy your, your father's um, day, lunch, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Uh, this coffee.